You're listening to the sermon audio from the Shore Church located in North Vancouver. For more information about the Shore, upcoming events, or to donate, you can head to www.theshorechurch.ca. Alright, well I want to get you to stand one more time. We're going to read the Word of God together. We're in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verses 1-22. through 22. Again, we're in a little bit of a narrative story uh, today. On that signal chat that I mentioned, or that Jody mentioned uh, earlier, uh, I sent out a message about reading Second Chronicles chapter six, the very chapter before this as well. And I hope you did that. This is the answer to that prayer. So Solomon prayed in chapter six, and here's uh, some of the answer we see in chapter seven. But let's read it together. As soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. When all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifice before the Lord. King Solomon offered as a sacrifice 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the people dedicated the house of God. The priests stood at their posts, the Levites also, with the instruments for music to the Lord that the king David had made for giving thanks to the Lord. For his steadfast love endures forever. Whenever David offered praises by their ministry, opposite them the priests sounded trumpets, and all Israel stood. And Solomon consecrated the middle of the court that was before the house of the Lord. For there he offered the burnt offering and the fat of the peace offerings, because the bronze altar Solomon had made could not hold the burnt offering and the grain offering and the fat. At that time, Solomon held the feast for seven days and all Israel with him, a very great assembly from Lebohamath to the brook of Egypt. And on the eighth day, they held a solemn assembly for they had kept the dedication of the altar seven days and the feast seven days. On the 23rd day of the seventh month, he sent the people away to their homes, joyful and glad of heart for the prosperity that the Lord had granted to David and to Solomon and to Israel, his people. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord in the king's house. All that Solomon had planned to do in the house of the Lord and in his own house, he successfully accomplished. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I have heard your prayer. And I have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locust to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land." Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there for all time. And as for you, 
If you walk before me as David your father walked, doing according to all that I have commanded you and keeping my statutes and my rules, then I will establish your royal throne as I covenanted with David your father, saying, you shall not lack a man to rule Israel. But if you turn aside and forsake my statutes and my commandments that I have set before you and go and serve other gods and worship them, Then I will pluck you up from my land that I have given you and this house that I have consecrated for my name. I will cast out of my sight and I will make it a proverb and a byword among all peoples. And at this house which was exalted, everyone passing by will be astonished and say, why has the Lord done thus to this land and to his house? Then they will say, because they abandoned the Lord the God of their fathers, and brought them out of the land of Egypt and laid hold on other gods and worshipped them and served them. Therefore, he has brought all this disaster on them. This is the word of God. You may be seated. Let's pray and give thanks to the Lord. Jesus, we come before you. Uh, we drop into a, a historical text of Scripture. We drop into the history of this world and a part of it anyways. And, and I pray, Jesus, uh, that we will learn and glean what you have to say to us today through it. We want to learn from our history. We want to learn from you, the one who does not change, that does not shift like the sands or the sea, but that you remain the same now and forever. And so help us learn from what you have to say to us today through this text. Help us humble ourselves. Help us be faithful to our call, faithful to the many gifts as we learned last week that we have been given freely by you. And I pray, Jesus, that our hearts will be open to hear the good news that you have for us this morning. And I pray this in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Well, I hope uh, you did read through chapter 6. If you didn't get a chance to do so, if that's the first time maybe you've heard that, to, to read through chapter 6, uh, really beginning in, I think, chapter, or verse 12, you see the beginning of this. And and kind of kind of backtrack a little bit. We learned last week where David was handing over the keys to the kingdom to his son Solomon. And the charge was to build a temple. And that's what's happened here. The temple has now been built. Solomon has prayed to the, to the Lord of Lords and to the King of Kings, to God himself. And God has now answered Solomon's prayer here in our text this morning. He has entered into the temple by way of fire. And uh, the people see this. And it's a, it's a joyous occasion. And so what we're going to do is we're going to outline this uh, in a couple different ways. There's two kind of sections that I want to outline this text that we might learn and glean from. The first one is how are we responding to the Lord? And we see that in verses 1 through 10. And four ways there, surrender to his holiness, sacrifice, worship through song, and joy and gladness. And then the second section is three ifs from the Lord. We see in the latter part of this when the Lord actually answers and begins to speak to Solomon in the night. The three ifs from the Lord are if humility, if dedication, and if rebellion. So this is what we're going to walk through today, this morning, and then we're going to have a little bit of a nap, maybe some of us, and then we're going to party like they partied. So it's kind of really fitting uh, text that we're in today. They partied for seven days. We're going to party for a couple hours. But I, I can't imagine a seven-day party, man. That would be sweet. 
I love partying. So good. All right, let's, let's get into the first section. Responding to the Lord, number one, surrender to his holiness and power. Verse three, again, we'll just let it, read it really quickly as a reminder. In verse three, it says, when all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. I was thinking about this and it just like, I don't know if you can imagine ever seeing something like that. Like the closest, the first, very first thing that popped into my mind is, you know, like if you've ever seen the Northern Lights or like a thunderstorm cross across, like you don't get many thunderstorms in BC, but in the prairies, it's huge. The clouds come in and, and the just they, they look different and then the massive thunder booms and the lightning come and start moving over. Well, there was this one thunderstorm years ago when we lived in Port Coquitlam and uh, I took all my kids and we went and sat on the front porch and we just stood and well, we sat there and just in awe, just our mouths open, kind of looking at the sky because of the clouds were just, just amazing in their, in their form then the thunder began to shake the houses around. Like it was low. Like it was, it was a, quite an impressive, and it only lasted for a short amount of time. And the lightning began to strike across the clouds. And I remember just sitting there in silence with my kids. They were all quite young. They probably wouldn't even remember this because they're at that age. But man, I remember being almost in tears because of what that was felt like. And maybe you've had a similar experience when it, with a big storm or something that was just way larger than you. And I was, it, it made me realize a few things. It, it made me realize my sin is even Ryan led us in reading through Ephesians chapter two, that man, I'm a child of wrath before an almighty God. I realized my sin and his mercy. Like this is the Lord that, that brings this kind of stuff and, and his mercy that he wouldn't take me out. It, 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 it helped me realize my brokenness and his healing hands. It helped me recognize my evil and his goodness. It helps me recognize my wrath when things that I don't like to, to happen to me personally, the wrath that comes out of me, but it reminded me of his amazing grace. See, the Israelites seeing this, I wonder what went through their minds witnessing this. Like they're all praying, they're watching their king pray and praying this amazing prayer that we see in chapter six. And as soon as he finishes the prayer, fire from heaven comes down. Like what, did, what are they thinking in this moment? Like this is the God their fathers told them about. Like their forefathers told them, the Red Sea, parting the plagues, the pillar of smoke that led them in the daytime, the pillar of fire at night, the quail filling their bellies, the manna, the conquering wars, the walls of Jericho imploding inwards, which is really seemingly impossible. Only God could have done that. The clothes and sandals that didn't wear out for over 400, or sorry, 40 years when they were roaming through the desert, the promised land at the end of that 
And the stories are really are too many to add up. Those are just a few. What are these people thinking? See, if we began as a church and just sat down and began to think about all the ways that God had mercy and love and, and showed his steadfastness in moments, I think we would have endless stories as well. And maybe this is exactly what God wants for us as he reveals himself this way, that we get shocked into the realization that we live Coram Deo, that we live under the face of God at all times. That we're actually right now in the presence of the Lord, we live under his face, his authority. He's always there. That we live in his presence and his presence is too much for us to handle. See, jumping back into our text, we have the people of God in a great assembly watching their king pray, like I said, standing on this huge bronze platform you can see in verses 12 and 13 of chapter 6, and then praying to God this amazing prayer. And this is the massive pile, and then there's this massive pile of dead animals that have been sacrificed to God, blood running from these animals. Then as soon as he finishes his prayer, fire comes from heaven, consumes all the burnt offerings and sacrifices, and then he fills the finished temple with his presence. This is, would have been the greatest thing this, this people would have seen. It would have been the greatest. And their response fit perfectly. Face to the pavement. Realizing who they are in the presence of an almighty God. See, they all fell to their faces on the concrete and praise God. The right response when you see the glory of the Lord show up by way of fire from heaven is a surrender to his holiness and power. There's really no other option you should be doing but other than surrender see another time we see fire come from heaven and lick up the animal sacrifice for his glory was in the days of elijah the prophet and again fire comes from heaven as soon as elijah finishes his sentence fire comes down and licks up all the water that they doused this sacrifice with and and burned up the 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 sacrifice and and the response of that was to take every single false teacher and kill them. 300 false prophets instantly slain. This is the right response to get rid of, purge out the evil amongst us. Get rid of it instantly. And to repent of our sin. See, here again in our text, the result of seeing the Lord's power and promise fulfilled, the words found at the end of verse 3 are so telling. Like on the pavement, face down, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. When you're in the presence of the Lord, you see love. So we have surrender to his holiness. And secondly, we have sacrifice. In verses 4 and 5, look at it again on the screen. It says, Then the king and all the people offered sacrifice before the Lord. King Solomon offered as a sacrifice 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. So the king and all the people dedicated the house of God. See, dedication to the Lord requires sacrifice. Sacrifice, like we talked last week, is a realization that the very things we own are gifts from God and that he desires right heart-motivated gifts. This is what our God wants. He sees not just the outward that we see. He sees the inner man. He sees the heart and the motivation behind it. And that's what he wants. He wants the right motivated gifts to give back to him. The very gifts that he gave you. 
See, it is a very similar to a father and a son relationship. As, as you all families were coming in, I'm watching the fathers love on their kids and care for the kids. And, and it's a fi- similar response that we have as a father to a son or a daughter. The father supplies all the needs for his son or daughter, and the son or daughter honors the father by blessing the father with the very gifts he, has, he, he or she was given. And out of this pure relationship, sacrifice births humility within the son or daughter towards the father. This is what's birthed. It's a, it's a humble service back to mom and dad. See, just as sacrifice will birth humility in us toward the Lord. See, sacrifice teaches humility on all fronts, and this is exactly the people of God is calling us to, as we will see in a bit when he responds to Solomon in the night a week later in verse 12 and following. So we see surrender to the Lord. We see sacrifice to the Lord, recognizing and remembering that it is his gifts that he's given us, and we're just called to give it back to him in humility. And now, number three, we see worship through song in verse six. The priest stood at their posts. The Levites also with the instruments for music to the Lord that King David had made for giving thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. Whenever David offered praises by their ministry, opposite them the priests sounded trumpets and all Israel stood. It was a joyous occasion. It was a recognition that he is God and we are not. See, what jumped out to me in this point was the physical response of the people. Just the physical response. See, something we probably don't teach much anymore in our culture to our kids or even here in the church, but there are reasons for why we do certain things here at the shore. And we've did it quite a few times today, but why we stand when we read the scripture. We stand because it is the authority that we walk under. It is like this. We're never above it. This is the authority. That's why I place my Bible dead center in the pulpit and have it right here for us because I want to preach what it says. It's authority. It is everything. And I want to lead that way as, as, a, as a minister in this church. And I want all of us, especially you dads, to do the same in your families. To live as this is your authority. You aren't. This is. And so all Israel stands. See, it used to be taught that when a woman would enter a room or come to the table, you would stand in honor of her, showing that you are to serve her, humbly serve. To open the car door, to allow her to enter through a door, these are all ways you as men would show humble leadership, to walk on the street side of the sidewalk, to protect her, to lead her, to to have her step forward and to to make sure that you have all eyes to visually protect her. There's all kinds of different things. I taught my son, and because I was taught that from my father, and I believe it is right teaching, is because we see it in Scripture. It's a humble leadership. It's a steward of your strengths and your gifts. See, when it comes to our kids, we taught them to shake hands, to greet adults, to respect their authority by looking them in the eyes and and responding respectfully, calling them Mr. and Mrs., to sit with us in church, to to guide them in conversation that we might be able to lead them in a church gathering. Now I've got a 20-year-old that walks around and kind of chooses who she wants to sit with. She's my special little girl with Down syndrome. I can't even find her right now. There she is. But uh, 
you are graced when she gets to sit with you. But it's so fun to watch that. But we teach our kids to sit and to, to listen, to be attentive to what is going on around them. And it's, it's a training period. And there's only a certain amount of time and year that we have with them in that way. See, in the courtroom, you, you, you still are called to stand when the judge enters, showing humility toward their position in the courtroom. We are to stand to sing our national anthem. These things have been passed down through generations but are being missed and not thought of much anymore or being used actually to set an agenda. See, we do see examples in Scripture of this. Jesus himself, at the right hand of God, the Father in heaven, stands at the stoning of Stephen to show honor to him that he is doing right to the Lord. He even says the very words that Jesus said on the cross, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing while getting stoned to death. To have Jesus stand for you, oh my goodness, that would be amazing. What an honor. And here in our text at the end of verse 6, all of Israel stood while they worshiped the Lord. We do the same here at the shore, maybe some of us not fully understanding why, but we stand when we read the Word of God, like I said, because it is the highest authority. We stand when we sing, again, because we lift our voices to the Lord God, not because we sing to one another, but we sing to honor His steadfast love that endures forever. This is why we stand, this is why we give glory to the Lord. Ultimately, the worship of God and the standing before him physically, but more importantly, from the heart level. That's the important part. Is to show one another of the devotion we have and whose authority we're under. Man, we as a church, we're so close to clapping today. Can't wait till that happens. We're so close. We had a couple, like after one of the songs there. But man, I'm, I'm looking forward to just the joy of the Lord in this, pre- in this place. Coming out where you can't control it anymore. Just like David couldn't control his love for the Lord and just danced. Man, may we do the same. See, may our standing in worship be forever changed here at the shore, not asking how many more songs do we have to sing, but rather using the short amount of time to effect change in our heart that we would glorify God with all we have for the 12 minutes of response to his word. So we're going to sing three more songs at the end, and man, may we use those times to just give God the glory as if he is filling this place because he has he's filled each one of you that have confessed him as Lord and Savior of your life he's filled you he's in you you are now the temple so we see surrender to the Lord we see sacrifice to the Lord we see song and and lastly before we get into the Lord's response to Solomon the second portion of our outline the people responded with joy and gladness we see this in verses 8 through 10 Let me read it for us again. It says, At that time Solomon held the feast for seven days, and all Israel with him, a very great assembly. It's probably a a minor, very great assembly. You got people from Lebo Hamath to the brook of Egypt. You got thousands of animals sacrificed, lots of meat to eat. And on the eighth day they held a solemn assembly, for they had kept the dedication of the altar seven days and the feast seven days. On the 23rd day of the seventh month, he sent the people away to their homes, joyful and glad of heart for the prosperity that the Lord had granted to David and to Solomon and to Israel, his people. See, many of you are married here. Uh, you had a wedding ceremony at one point. 
and you invited all your friends to join you and to, to see and to witness this amazing ceremony, then you most likely had a reception after with good food and good drink. And it was a joyous occasion. Uh, you celebrated sometimes for hours uh, celebrating this union of two to become one. And it was a, it's a mystery that the Bible talks of. It's the, it's the church and God. It's the church and Jesus Christ. And it's a beautiful thing. But this, this seven-day celebration that we see in our text, that we, in these, in these three verses, most likely something we have never personally witnessed before. Seven days of partying. And oftentimes at parties, I, I, I know this, I'm just speaking for myself at times, when you're at a party and you're celebrating, oftentimes you forget the reason for, because you're just having a good time, you often forget the reason why you're actually there in the first place. You're just excited to see your friends and you're enjoying your time and you're actually enjoying the conversation and it becomes about you rather than what you're there to celebrate. Oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes you forget why you're there. But here in this text, it's such a cool thing. See, this people went home with joy and praise, praising God, not forgetting why they were there. Not one moment. They just saw the Lord appear to them in fire. So they went home praising God, and to repeat myself, it was the right response. So we have surrender in this first portion. We have surrender, sacrifice, song, joy, and gladness. And then God shows up to Solomon, the leader of them all, and brings three ifs from the Lord. And the first is if humility, if humility. These ifs are big ones. Uh, Verses 12 through 14, it says again, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place. So this is the Lord showing up to Solomon in the night and answering his requests, his prayers from chapter 6. I've heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I, this is an interesting verse, verse 13. When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locust to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. See, God shows up to the leader to proclaim to the people. This is Solomon's job to proclaim this. This is your message to the people I want you to pass on. See, the message Solomon is called to pass on is one we have seen throughout the journey the Israelites have seen going all the way back actually to Adam. It is for all the people, this message. And it's a fourfold message to the people of God. And you see it right there. I think I've got it underlined on the text, but it's humility, pray, seek the Lord's face, and turn from wickedness. This is a fourfold, I'll repeat it again, humility, Pray, seek the Lord's face, turn from wickedness. This is our call as well. This is going back throughout the scripture. This is Jesus' call to us constantly. See, the same message, like I said, is for today. What we need to know and always realize is that God doesn't change. He is eternal and his commands upon his people do not shift. They're still there. They remain for us. And as parents, we know that this is the most effective way, right? As parents, most effective way to raise your children is to have rules, commands in your home that actually don't shift. 
Because then it gets really confusing for your children to remain steadfast in what you've said. See, guidelines are good for us. Order is good for us. It helps give us boundaries of where to go and how to live and and how to be led. And the realization that God is above us and authority over us is for our good in this. He does this because he loves us. This is why we put rules in place, not to to rule over the children, but actually to love them, to train them up for godliness. And this is exactly what God is again showing his people. He loves them. His steadfast love endures forever. This is why these boundaries. So may we be a people today that remember the goodness of God and live out this fourfold command. And the beauty of it all is that God also responds with more grace through this. And we see this in the text. Like he gives us all things. Like everything that we own, like we talked about last week, is a gift from the Lord. Remember last week I said the only one thing that you own is your sin. And he even wants that. He wants to pay for that. And he wants to pay it eternally. What a gracious God we have. So he gives us all things and he asks of us rightly for worship of him. Then he blesses us with more. In a text it says again, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. If you live out one of those four folds of prayer and confession, then he will hear you and he'll heal the land. He'll love you and care for again. Again, healing the land that he gave you. It's not yours. It's so good. So as I was studying this, I was like, man, God is so gracious. No wonder the people just proclaimed that his love is good and his steadfast love endures forever. No wonder they're saying this. See, God is giving the king here a fair warning to lead his people, to lead his people to worship God, to remain in awe like we would look up at a thunderstorm in awe. Imagine if you got to see the Lord to look up in awe and to bring worship to him. See, to give all praise to the Lord of lords for everything that we have. So in the three ifs, we have humble service to the Lord. And the second if is the if of dedication. We see this in verses 17 and 18. It says this, and and as for you, Solomon, if you will walk before me as David your father walked, doing according to all that I have commanded you and keeping my statutes and my rules, then I will establish your royal throne as I covenanted with David your father, saying you shall not lack a man to rule Israel. See, the first if was all for the people. The second if here, here is for Solomon specifically to direct and specifically challenge him. See, God is calling him to live an exemplary life. And this is for all those who lead a people to live an exemplary life that others might follow. See, this we could say is also for you men, for me, as we see a similar call in our life in the New Testament to stand firm as men before the Lord. And the call that is on your life See, as Solomon was challenged to walk before the Lord, we too have been given a challenge. It's actually everywhere in the scripture. If you just type in the word stand, you'll come up with all kinds of different verses from the scripture, but they're all speaking to us. Here's a couple of examples. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, understanding who you are faithful to and 
who has given you faith to change your heart to understand who he is. Act like men and be strong. Galatians 5.1 says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Do not submit back to your kingdom. Don't go after your desires, your felt needs, your, your wants to pleasure you. Stand firm in the Lord in the faith that you've been given that you might live for him. That's why you're created. To give everything that you have for him, for his kingdom. Ephesians 6, 13 and 14 says, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day that is calling you back to this kingdom. And having done all to stand firm, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Philippians 1.27 says, only let your manner of life, what a statement this is. Just slow down and read this. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Just meditate on that for a bit. Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come when Jesus returns, when I come and see you, or am absent when I'm watching from afar, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, for the good news of his name. This is why. 2 Thessalonians 2.15, So then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the traditions that you were taught by us. This is the tradi- where we get the traditions taught by the apostles and by the prophets and the, those before us. Hold to the traditions that you were taught by us, either by our spoken word or by our letter. This is why we hold the authority of Scripture so highly here at the shore. 2 Timothy 2.19, but God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. If you name the name of the Lord as your Lord, then the call is to depart from those things, the kingdom of man, the kingdom of self. See, may we be faithful men here at the Shore Church that we would dedicate ourselves as leaders, as this call, this if is a dedication is of leadership, and mothers too, and single men and women here. You're called to live to under the authority of God. This is the dedication as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. We dedicate ourselves to live for his name's sake and his alone. May we be this church. May we be an example to the community around us and may our celebration of that surrender be the fruit of the Spirit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. So we have a call to humility for all, a call to faithful leadership, and lastly, a warning to all. Number three is, and we'll close with this, if rebellion, 19 through 22, it says again, but if you turn aside, if you turn aside and forsake my, my statutes and my commandments that I have set before you and go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will pluck you up from my land that I have given you 
in this house that I have consecrated for my name, I will cast out of my sight, and I will make it a proverb and a byword among all peoples. And at this house, which was exalted, everyone passing by will be astonished and say, why has the Lord done thus to this land and to this house? Then they will say, because they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers who who brought them out of the land of Egypt and laid hold on other gods and worshiped them and served them. Therefore, he has brought all this disaster on them. And the disaster of verse 13, right? No rain, locusts to devour the land and pestilence among the people. This is, the, this is what's coming. See, church in 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17, a familiar one to those that have been in church many times it says this all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work it's a great reminder to read that text over and over when you're in the old testament like what is the reproof for us what is the application now for us as we look back in our position back here somewhere at the you know the acts 29 on there's 28 chapters but we're the continued church to move forward now. Like as we look back into through the cross of Christ, the lens that we look through now, we know Jesus is there. We know that he is our saving grace. And so looking back to this, what can we learn? Well, looking back through the lens of the cross, Jesus is our humble servant king. He lived the perfect life that Solomon could not. Jesus is our leader who provides the perfect example. Jesus fulfills the commands, statutes, and laws for his people. Jesus is the better Solomon. Jesus is the holiness that fills the temple with perfect sacrifice, which brings worship and gladness of heart. Jesus actually is the sacrifice for us. This is why we have the cross on the stage to remind us that he is the sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice that we couldn't pay for. And when you surrender, when you confess Jesus is Lord of your, of your life with your mouth and believe deep down in your heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says that you will be saved. This is Romans 10, 9 and 10. What a gracious, gracious king. His love endures forever. See, Jesus has perfectly fulfilled all the law and the prophecies when he came and died for our sin. Our role, simply church, our role, our application of this text is to now respond, to bow their faces to the concrete in praise, surrender our lives to him, Confess Jesus as Lord. Stand in worship and praise of him. Humble ourselves. Seek forgiveness of our sin and live to transform life by way of the Holy Spirit. This is our call. May we be like this church. May we respond like that. Let me pray. Jesus, I thank you for uh, this text of scripture. What a challenge it is to me. Because I know... Lord, I I live in this kingdom so often, my kingdom of myself. And at times I don't even see it. I recognize that I'm at a party, but I don't realize why I'm partying. Lord, help me. Help us as a church be reminded that it is you. This life 
this life that we live, the nine to fives, the everything that we've been given, the, the weekends, everything that we've handed over to, that we're to live for you, for your kingdom's sake. So Jesus, help us in this. Help us uh, see the Israelites' response when they saw the fire from heaven come. May that be our response when we read the scripture that we might surrender our life with everything that we got. For your namesake, Jesus, in your glory, we pray in your powerful name. Amen. Amen.